Hello, and welcome to another episode of Fireside Poems. I'm Dr. J. Today, I'm reading a passage from Longfellow's The Song of Hiawatha from the chapter titled Hiawatha's Fasting. Hiawatha's Fasting tells of Hiawatha's vision quest, a rite of passage in which the youth goes into the forest, builds a lodge, and fasts for a set number of days, the hunger bringing forth visions even as it tries the youth's fortitude and determination. At another level, Hiawatha's fasting tells of the advent of agriculture in Native American culture. Mondamon, the corn deity, appears on the fourth day to Hiawatha after Hiawatha, in the first three days of his fast, prays to Gitche Manitou, the master of life, to provide his people another source of food than, on the first day, hunting, on the second day, gathering, and on the third day, fishing. Mondamon, on his first visit, tests Hiawatha's worthiness. He returns two more days, and then, on the seventh and last day, Hiawatha, having passed the tests, instructs Hiawatha how to grow corn in a ritual of burial and rebirth. The section I've chosen is from the fourth day. Let's listen. From Hiawatha's Fasting by Henry Wadsworth Longfellow On the fourth day of his fasting in his lodge he lay exhausted. From his couch of leaves and grasses, gazing with half-open eyelids, full of shadowy dreams and vision, on the dizzy swimming landscape, on the gleaming of the water, on the splendor of the sunset. And he saw a youth approaching, dressed in garments green and yellow, coming through the purple twilight, through the splendor of the sunset. Plumes of green bent o'er his forehead, and his hair was soft and golden. Standing at the open doorway, long he looked at Hiawatha, looked with pity and compassion on his wasted form and features, and in accents like the sighing of the south wind in the treetops, said he, O oh, my Hiawatha, all your prayers are heard in heaven, for you pray not like the others, not for greater skill in hunting, not for greater craft in fishing, not for triumph in the battle nor renown among the warriors, but for profit of the people, for advantage of the nations. From the master of life descending, I, the friend of man, Mondamon, come to warn you and instruct you how by struggle and by labor you shall gain what you have prayed for. Rise up from your bed of branches, rise, O youth, and wrestle with me. Faint with famine, Hiawatha started from his bed of branches. From the twilight of his wigwam forth into the flush of sunset came, and wrestled with Mondamon. At his touch he felt new courage throbbing in his brain and bosom, felt new life and hope and vigor run through every nerve and fiber. There are many things going on in this passage, beginning with its evocation of the dreamlike state brought on by Hiawatha's fasting. There is also the positive presentation of the native people's religious beliefs and practices, including a benevolent deity who answers prayers when they are prayers for good 
as Hiawathas are, as Mondaman tells him, and us, his prayers are answered because they aren't selfish prayers, but prayers for the profit of all the people, and not just the people of one nation. Longfellow, throughout the Song of Hiawatha, uses the term nation rather than tribe, but people of all the nations. Leaders of people cannot be vain or selfish if they are to succeed. Let's listen again. From Hiawatha's Fasting by Henry Wadsworth Longfellow On the fourth day of his fasting in his lodge he lay exhausted, from his couch of leaves and grasses, gazing with half-open eyelids, full of shadowy dreams and visions, on the dizzy swimming landscape, on the gleaming of the water, on the splendor of the sunset. And he saw a youth approaching, dressed in garments green and yellow, coming through the purple twilight, through the splendor of the sunset. Plumes of green bent o'er his forehead, and his hair was soft and golden. Standing at the open doorway, long he looked at Hiawatha, looked with pity and compassion on his wasted form and features, and in accents like the sighing of the south wind in the treetops, said he, O oh, my Hiawatha, all your prayers are heard in heaven, for you pray not like the others, not for greater skill in hunting, not for greater craft in fishing, not for triumph in the battle nor renown among the warriors, but for profit of the people, for advantage of the nations. From the master of life descending, I, the friend of man, Mondaman, come to warn you and instruct you how by struggle and by labor you shall gain what you have prayed for. Rise up from your bed of branches, rise, O youth, and wrestle with me. Faint with famine, Hiawatha started from his bed of branches. From the twilight of his wigwam forth into the flush of sunset came and wrestled with Mondaman. At his touch he felt new courage throbbing in his brain and bosom, felt new life and hope and vigor run through every nerve and fiber. When the pilgrims who crossed the Atlantic in the Mayflower to Massachusetts first left England to find the freedom to worship as they pleased, they didn't go first to America. They went to Holland, just across the English Channel, where they found a liberal society that gave them the religious freedom they sought. But after a few years, they became unsatisfied with Holland, as they saw their young people drifting away from their church in Holland's too liberal climate. They thus looked for another place to remove to. As William Bradford, the long-serving governor of the Plymouth Colony, explained in his journal, quote, The place they had thoughts on was some of those vast and unpeopled countries of America, which are fruitful and fit for habitation, being devoid of all civil inhabitants, where there are only savage and brutish men which range up and down little otherwise than the wild beasts. This negative idea of those we now call Native Americans being little different than the animals of the forest persisted in the pilgrims' minds even after they arrived in America and found differently, 
as they survived their first winter by taking for themselves corn grown and stored by the native people for their own survival. One among the English immigrants who defended the native people's right to their land, Roger Williams, made extensive records of their cultural practices, including their religious beliefs and ceremonies. Wild beasts don't engage in agriculture, nor do they have religious beliefs and ceremonies or tell stories about themselves and their traditions. Longfellow's Song of Hiawatha is a portrait of America's native people in their pre-contact way of being that is far different from the idea held by the pilgrims before their arrival in America and that continued to be held by them and their descendants for generations despite what they actually found upon their arrival. Wrong ideas will persist despite contrary evidence as long as people want to believe them, as the English colonists and their descendants wished to believe in their right to the land they took for themselves. Longfellow's Song of Hiawatha was a very conscious correction of this falsehood, one that still does good today. I hope you enjoyed this passage from the Song of Hiawatha, and that you'll join me again next week for another episode of Fireside Poems. If you think others might enjoy Fireside Poems, please let them know about it through your social media so that they might join you and me each week by the Fireside.